Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Kiseitse Chamishi, the first Aliyah in Parshas Kiseitse. The topic of our Aliyah is primarily divorce. It's only six psukim long, running from Perik Chav Kimol to Chav Dalad Dalad. So the first couple of psukim actually talk about when you enter the vineyard or the, fr- the field of your friend, you may take the produce of that field or that vineyard to eat, but you may not cut it with an instrument or put it into your vessels, your containers. Then we hear that when a man will marry a woman and she no longer finds favor in his eyes because of a moral concern, Ervas Davar, he will write a document of divorce and he will give it to her and she, and, uh, and she will leave his house. If, he, if she goes on to marry somebody else and the second fellow hates her and divorces her or dies, the first husband may not remarry the wife. That's the end of the idea. What's called Machzir Gerushosai, bringing back the woman who was divorced, and the, the prohibition of that. So a few basics over here. Number one is the first couple psukim about being allowed to pick fruit in other people's fields. How does that work exactly? You're allowed to just walk into anybody's apple orchard and start pulling off. You pay for you pay good money for that. Pick in you know, pick your own. So how, what's the what's the idea over here? Rashi says we're talking about a day laborer, a person who's working in somebody else's field. And therefore, they have the rights to eat, but they don't have the right to collect. Rav Hirsch points out that this idea over here is, is just the type of God society we're trying to create. And the Torah needs to regulate that it needs to be a moral society. If you have workers working all day, it's not meant to be a sweatshop. This, by the way, is such a, um, a future thinking idea. It took the rest of society until well after the ramifications of the Industrial Revolution to kind of regulate this back but the torah is saying is you have workers you treat them humanely and they're in your fields they're allowed to eat they're not allowed to steal and take things and um, amass and come with a tractor trailer no but they are allowed to eat while they are doing so there's a regulation of kindness at the same time with a protection for the owner as well that's the balance that all societies are trying to create now in this aliyah, although the primary topic is machzir grushasai, a person who is not allowed to remarry the woman who got married in, in, the, in the middle, it happens to be that a few other details are learned about in this aliyah, very important and crucial details in Jewish relationships, and that one is kiddushin, marriage, and the other one is um, gerushin, regular divorce, is learned from this aliyah. Let's focus on both of those for a moment. The Mishnah in kiddushin, on the very, very beginning, the first Mishnah tells us, that, that marriage can be um, a, a, can be officiated in three ways. The Kesa Bashtar of a by a relationship, by a document, or by uh, by some form of, of valuable giving. And the Gomorrah goes on to explain that this idea is learnt from Aralia. And there's a parallel word, ki kach ish isha, man will marry a woman. And that word is learned from kicha kicha, the similar word baste Ephron, where Avram Avinu counted out a certain amount of money, gave it to Ephron, who owned the field of Machpelah, and by giving him the money, acquired the field. Now, that does sound a, very, a little bit funny, because ultimately what that means is, it sounds like the way that marriage is working is as a relationship of buying. That seems to be a very strange way of framing what marriage is. Why would the Gomorrah see it? Why would the Torah teach us the notion of marriage from buying property? So there's a lot of very different ways of looking at this. One idea is, Rav Soloveitchik talks about this, is the notion of being moving from a, being a nomad to a farmer. A nomad is a person who has a flock of sheep and takes them wherever 
they want. Wherever the grass is greener they go, they don't have any commitment to any place or space station in life. When a person becomes a farmer, with which is anthropologically a development in human sophistication, what they do is they have to now commit to a particular part of the place of land. They have to cultivate and invest in it, and when it goes bad, they suffer, and when it goes good, they succeed. But there's a certain sense of commitment, and there's a notion of what's called a spiritual and a emotional nomad and farmer as well. They're people who move from relationship to relationship, getting what they want out of people, and moving on to other grass once they've used them. And marriage is not meant to be that. Marriage is likened to investing in ground, not because we're talking about a monetary investment, but because we're talking about the investment in someone forever, in actually caring about that person for through thick and thin, and not just moving on when one wants to get more pleasure from somebody else. That's what Rosa Solvechik talks about in terms of investment in place. Another aspect of it as well is that if you think about it, both Ephron and Avram Avinu felt that they got the better end of the deal. Avram Avinu knew that he was getting Imaharas Machpelah, the greatest burial site in all of Jewish and world history. And Ephron felt that he was getting a lot of money. And therefore, marriage is likened to the investment where both sides feel like they're always winning. To some ideas to think about when it comes to marriage. On the divorce side, it's interesting, it seems to frame it as a mitzvah. Is it a mitzvah to get divorced? So the Sefer Chinuch points out, only if it's warranted, if, God forbid, that there's a situation which calls for divorce, then yes, this is the mitzvah of how it's done, but it's not a mitzvah per se. This is the way it's framed over here. Now, the actual topic of the Aliyah is what's called machzir grushosai. The person is not allowed to return a woman who is divorced and then remarried in, in, the, in the meantime. What, what's going on over here? What, what is the whole po- point of here? So the Sorna points out that this is a, it's going to create grounds for immorality because it sounds like there is an adulterer here there's somebody who is leaning in in this relationship between the husband and the wife the wife and a divorce is set to enable the adulterer um, um to to have that relationship and the what the torah is saying is don't enable that relationship because there's going to be a consequence there's going to be a penalty for going in that direction um therefore if the, with such a high penalty They'll be very careful about how they're going to work out their marriage because there is no way back there afterwards if they allow them to split up. There's not going to be a fling and then a return. And Ibn Bachaya says, quoting Chazal, that this could have been referring to a case of a soita, shenistera. So let's say there's a, 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 a marriage, and the marriage is not so healthy, and there's um, and the woman is seeing somebody on the side, and she is suspected of being a soita. She has seclusion with another person. Um, in, in that situation, they, she can return to her husband unless she goes through the whole process of Saita. And therefore, that means to say that, um, that there would, the relationship can no longer continue. That would be in the actual parish that we're talking about over here is after such a situation. Very serious consequences as well. This is therefore seen as a step towards enabling and ensuring a uh, moral society of the highest caliber. With this, we close the fifth aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.